This is Joel Spolsky, the host of the Stack Overflow podcast. Our podcast depends on listeners like you, who aren't you because you're already listening, and we need more listeners like you. We don't have any kind of fancy marketing budget, so please, if you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends to subscribe. Thank you. I have an observation. You know, when I wasn't here and you guys substituted for me, you sort of split up the jobs of One Minute Tech Review and the rant and the Constitution. do you think one other man or woman could do all the things that you do, Joel? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. How come I come back and I immediately have to do all this stuff? Those are your bits. If you want to hand them out, feel free to hand them out. All right. I'm going to start hiring people. Is that the rant? (laughs) That is. It's better than the rant I have. Don't cover Sabbath elevators. You know, the Shabbos elevator in the hospital where I was had a detailed explanation in Yiddish of how it worked. (laughs) I don't know why you didn't see that, David. This is the Stack Overflow Podcast, episode 108, recorded Thursday, May 4th, 2017 at Stack Overflow headquarters in New York, New York, home of Edgar Allan Poe, where more than 8 million people live in peace, and enjoy the benefits of democracy. Today's podcast is brought to you by peanut butter. Yay! The best way to get your dog to eat a pill. <sighs> peanut butter is creamy, it's butter, <laughs> and it's shelf-stable. Warning, contains peanuts. And Stack Overflow Enterprise. It's like Stack Overflow, but for your enterprise. <laughs> Not really what they... I'm just reading. Visit stackoverflowbusiness.com for more details. That's a really long URL. You know what this reminds me of? I'm sorry. I just need to interrupt temporarily. This reminds me that there was a time when it was recommended that your domain name be eight letters or less because of command line restrictions on IBM mainframe computers, which only allowed (laughs) up to eight letters per argument in the command line. Okay. On today's podcast, VP of Engineering, David Fullerton. Hello. VP of Stack Overflow, Jay Henlon. Hello. And our news editor is Ilani Itzhaki. Hello. On today's episode, award-winning speaker, consultant, writer, co-founder, and the former manager of UX design and engineering at Trulia, Sarah Dresner. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. I am your host, Joel Spolsky. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, me. Thanks, good Joel. To see you, Joel. We should be welcoming yeah, it's you good back. Good to have you back. Yes. You were out for a while. I have been. We had missing. to have some poor replacements like that Anil character. Yes. You know what? I'm going to do the one minute tech review before the rant. Wow. Okay. And the one minute tech review. Is it our podcast? Are you yes. reviewing the podcast? Yes. I am now reviewing the Stack Overflow podcast with host Anil Dash. Oh, thank God it's oh, not me. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. <laughs> Number 106 and 107. Yeah. Jay also did 105. I'm not going to review Jay's, but Anil's was pretty good. Oh. That's my review. <laughs> Wait, which one? Are both of them? They were, yeah, they were pretty were fine. good. Adequate? Yeah. I mean, they were better than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be terrible. And they were pretty good. He did not bring shame to our family. Safe no, to say. Nice. No, all our podcasts are terrible. The ones that we make. Or that I make it. Oh, so he was he was exceeding expectations oh, yeah. by making non by non- miles by miles. He had lots of jokes. I'm told none of them had to be edited out in post, whereas almost no, all of my jokes entirely, have to get edited that's out. That's entirely correct. Yeah. He somehow avoided saying something. Anything. Nothing. There were no goats in the podcast or anything. Okay. He's <laughs> like, what? What with the goat? I, I, I feel like we're there not going to escape. Nothing. We're not going to escape whatever Joel wants to say <laughs> about goats. It's like it's, it's inevitable. <laughs> be hanging over us the whole podcast. What happens? It is okay to mention a goat, you guys. It's okay. It's fine. Goats are fun. I'm going to actually resume my one-minute tech review later. I have another one-minute tech review because I think I only used one second. Okay, I have a short rant and a long rant. Short rant, please listen carefully as our menu options have changed. (laughs) When they say that. First of all, A, no, they haven't. (laughs) Every single company It can't always be true, can it? It can't. Please listen carefully as our menu options have changed. And number two, who the hell is memorizing the menu (laughs) options? (laughs) Typing long strings of numbers. I have done that for something that I had to call the same number like 14 times in a row just to like get Sometimes. through to the right person. And I had memorized all the numbers by the end of it. And it was actually super helpful that you could just ignore the prompts and just punch boop, in boop, all boop, the numbers boop, to get where you wanted ahead. to go. Yeah. But I think the kind of person who does that is already punching the numbers in before that stupid disclaimer airs. Yeah, they're not even I listening to please listen carefully as our menu options have changed. Anyway, thanks to Jason for that idea. Much longer rant hospitals. You may have noticed that I was missing for a month. So I would like to rant about No, oh. <laughs> I was in one. Oh. <laughs> and I wish, wish to complain about hospitals because so it turns out they're not very pleasant places to stay. <laughs> was it the food? Um, <laughs> I could not eat the food the entire... I was there for five days, six days. That's a long time to not eat any food. I didn't mind because I had no appetite. <laughs> I feel and, like if you drink no water that long, you'd die. 
But too long to eat naughty food. I drank water, but I made Jared go get me Fiji water from there. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like one of the obvious things that is wrong with hospitals is the sheer number of times they wake you up in the middle of the night for Uh, no good reason when you clearly need to be recovering from something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in a hospital. Yeah. So they have this logic of like there's a morning rotation where the doctors come see you once a day and they want to see all your statistics, including the results of your blood tests. So in order to get the blood back, you know, out to the labs and then tested- they have to come around at 4 a.m. and take a little bit of yeah. blood out of everybody. So that was, that's already on my list. I had some kind of weird drug. I was under anesthesia for the surgery that I had. And so everything smelled terrible. And it turns out the hospitals don't smell great, but it was actually worse because of this weird drug I had taken for like a oh, whole that's week. That's weird. Yeah. That may have been why I had no appetite. Give you a heightened sense of smell that like, ex- like no, no, everything was just disgusting. Oh, like, it was like those those like, like, that smell, like that, like that food you can eat that makes everything taste like sour. That's exactly what I thought sweet. of. Yeah, what is, that, what is that called? There's like a magical berry you can buy in pill yeah. form or yeah, berry yeah, yeah. form, is and it then you eat a lemon and the le- it basically it, it like breaks. It's probably a berry? key ingredient in anesthesia. We'll yeah, link. I'm you sure. can order it from Amazon. It like breaks your sour taste. They didn't ask you what flavor anesthesia you wanted. Oh, I guess the default must be whatever this this berry is. It took week to wear out. When I got out of the hospital, at least like the new things that I was smelling didn't have that. But if I smelled something that I had previously smelled in the hospital, it still smelled like the old mm. thing for another week. It was really weird and quite awful. And one of the reasons I had no appetite. And the reason, by the way, I made Jared get me Fiji water is because I knew that whatever brand of water he got me in the hospital, I would have a terrible association with. And I wanted to pick a <laughs> brand that I would never want to buy again. Under any circumstances but whatsoever. Fiji, it have been Fiji is the only choice. It no, it's fine. Yeah, Dan, but no, Fiji's Dan even worse because yeah. it's like they, they literally take the water no, in, Dasani. in Fiji, which I'm sure has loads of water because it's a little tiny island in the middle of the South Pacific. <laughs> and they put it on 747s and they Fiji, fly it to right? America. Well, imagine if you were saying like, worst idea right, ever. We, want, we need some water. Yeah. We got to make it clean and we <laughs> yeah. got to put it in a bottle. Sure. What would be like the first thing you'd think of of like, what should we optimize for? I'd be like, um, I guess yeah, closest like a water, muddy island in the probably Pacific closest that... water is what I would want to use. Yeah. And they're like, okay, okay, okay. But let's, What's what if we went the furthest. total opposite way? What if we went with farthest away water and just ship that exactly. here and we made that the thing? Purist. Is anybody <laughs> doing the like melted Antarctic ice? Because we we're going to run out of that pretty yeah. soon, but it might be a good business model right now. You can, because it's probably been frozen for 100,000 years before there was any kind of pollution Super on pure. Okay. So anyway, hospitals get a thumbs down. Is that, that's our review? Except when they're well, saving your life. Oh, no, this was a rant, not a tech review. Got so it. So thumbs down on the food, thumbs down on the effect oh. of your smell. Super thumbs up You are on back the staff. alive. Yeah. Oh, okay. You want yeah. to keep yeah. people alive. There we go. The nurses at NYU Langone absolutely highly recommend it. Amazing. Unbelievably nice. Very, very good bedside manner. Were they, they doing totally amazing things there, would you say? We're doing amazing things. <laughs> That's their motto, um, isn't it? Do we're doing amazing things here? Isn't that sure. Are they? Yeah, they're like every hospital. That's can... a good motto. That should be our motto. <laughs> it's true. It's so meaningless. I think it's weird that like now that hospitals are all these giant conglomerates yeah. and like they all own like 17 hospitals that right. all overlap zones. It's weird how now like hospitals are like advertising on TV. We're better. Like like drug companies do. Where yeah. They're trying to pitch you like. If you Outside had cancer, York, you'd want to use our hospital. Yeah, the, in it's Florida, weird. they're like they run yeah. billboards on the highway advertising the current weight in the emergency room. So if right. you're like, oh, this one's thirty minutes, I'm just going to keep driving until the next <laughs> hospital. Like, you mean? Oh, that's right outside the Holland Tunnel. What? Yeah. Oh, no, this is in Florida. I've seen oh. this. But a these bunch, are like the but... signs that are like current traffic to bridge, like kind of thing. It's and like it's... a full size billboard yeah, with like that, a little yeah, yeah, clock the built yeah. into it. Yeah. So my last question, Joe, was there a moment when you were kind of worried? You got out and you're like, oh my god, everything stinks, and you thought like. Oh my God, the whole world, my loved ones, my home, and everything around me actually smells terrible, but I never had to know it till now, and the surgery has made me No, able to although realize. that is an episode of 30 Rock, which, by the way, while I was home recovering, I watched the entire series. <laughs> Pretty funny. So let's do, let's do an AMA. Ask Joel anything about 30 Rock. Anything, <laughs> literally. Because I, I have just binge-watched the entire, all seven seasons, and I know everything. I know all Liz Lemon's boyfriends. I got it all down, including Crisscross. I don't remember Criss Cross being her boyfriend. Seven. <laughs> Wait, is Criss Cross one person? What? Yeah. Two, two. I think it's Wait. two people. No, it's James Marsden or whatever his name is, was the actor who played Liz's boy. It doesn't matter. Oh, oh. This is... <laughs> Isn't that guy friends with Wolverine? Isn't he rank. friends with Wolverine, James Marsden? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, you know what I thought for a while? I didn't think that it was the drugs. I thought it was Purell. But then, <laughs> because I was like, which is everywhere. smell like that? And All then right. I smelled the Purell and it smelled like that. And I was like, it must be that because that's everywhere. Uh-huh. And then I realized it wasn't. It was like everything. I mean, my toothpaste was smelling like that. I couldn't. I ate some saltines. This kind of sounds like the worst superpower ever. Like, yeah, of yeah. All yeah. Of yeah. it smells terrible. Yeah. Super smell. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, it's one of those superpowers that comes with a big downside. It's like a blessing and a curse at the same time. <laughs> I don't want to worry any of our listeners. This was a voluntarily thing that I went into the hospital for, which actually improved my heart, which they had to open in order to improve it. And I was home for about four weeks recovering. Three weeks, actually one week in the hospital and three weeks of recovery. And now I'm like pretty much 130% better. Like I go to the gym now and I can do more of everything. So whatever the surgery was. Is going to the gym less I'm terrible right. than he I remember? Even know what he got. He has no idea. It was like my, uh, no, my septal, septal reductidomini. I can't remember. Joel does seem more, he's more, for everybody. more energized, full of vim and vigor. And also yeah. maybe unrelated. He's got two black eyes and his nose is beautiful. Just oh. beautiful. <laughs> oh. What superpower is that? Anyway, I'm better than I was even before I went in, so it was all worth it, including the week of bad smell. Okay, let's do the real one-minute tech review. Real one-minute tech review is, once I got out of the hospital, they said, you should just walk a lot, because that's what they tell heart patients. Sure. And by a lot, they meant, you know, to the front door and back at least twice a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally, they're dealing with people that have had a heart as, attack. That's as what if they you mean were by someone that patient. doesn't live in a bed, like yeah. that. <laughs> they had, there was some point at which the nutritionist comes into the hospital room and starts telling me not to eat salt, and Jared is like, that's not correct. Like, what statistics do you have? He's not a heart patient. He doesn't have high blood pressure. That no salt is for people with high blood pressure. And it's a bad idea, even for the people with high blood pressure. It barely ever really matters. So you go around telling everybody not to eat salt, and there's no reason. I feel like back in the nurse's station, there is a Polaroid photograph and Jared's name on a list <laughs> and a warning to others who might have to interact with him in the he future. Might have That's fine. It's also partly why hospital food tastes so terrible. Yeah, because they it's all made salt like, without salt. Yeah, Blech. yeah. You feel really bad. People that are sort of in there on the last few days of their lives, and for whatever reason, somebody has decided that they have to have the heart-healthy diet, which tastes like nothing. The opposite of what they do in prison. Yeah, where you get your choice. Yeah, of there you what can pick any pizza. food you want. And yeah. They don't care what, yeah. Well, I mean, as long as they deliver it to the prison. It's probably not that great. <sighs> I don't think routinely in prison you get to pick whatever meal you No, eat. no, no. I was... This is sad. Let's move back to anything else. It's only else. death row. So they said I should start walking a little bit. And so, first of all, I had long since lost my various Fitbit-type things that sure. we had. So I just started using Apple Health, which actually, if you've got an iPhone oh, yeah. in your pocket, it is already recording your steps, which is sort of surprising. And you can go in there and see how many steps you've taken with the phone in your pocket, at least, under Apple Health. And I started using that. And you know what? It's, it's good enough. I don't know if it's the right number of steps, but definitely on days when you walk more, it goes up by more. So it's pretty I think dang it's, accurate. I think oh, it's smart. It does. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure, I think at least if you have the watch, I think without the watch too, though, it checks it against the GPS. Like, in other words, to figure out how fast you're... Because uh -huh. it's measuring... The accelerometer is basically measuring bounces. Boing, boing, boing. But they don't know, like, if you're taking giant steps or small steps. And I believe the way they estimate calories is they check it a few times against yeah. the distance. Against and then the they just GPS. assume that's right. And they yeah. use that most times without keeping the GPS running. And then they just check in once in a while to figure yeah. out. It also tells me how many flights you've climbed, which is interesting because I didn't really used to be able to climb stairs so well. And now I do that for fun. Can for we go fun? back for yeah. a second? Like, do you have to like ask for one of those chairs? What did you do? That, that seems like <laughs> a common problem, like having to go stairs. up a stair or two. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so before the surgery, I would go upstairs and then I have to rest. Like I could go up one flight and then rest. You were really hiding how infirm you were from us for quite <laughs> some time. This is infirmity. <laughs> like I was fine. I couldn't climb a flight of stairs without passing out. But I, you know, big picture. It was good. Yeah. It was good. Well browning out. I wouldn't say blacking it out. We, we've been like living in like a weekend at Bernie's movie for like five years and didn't know it. Okay. Okay. So anyway, Apple Health is actually not entirely completely terrible. And once I started going back to the gym, which was about a week and a half ago, I wanted to actually log, like they told me to start with really, really low weights, like 10 pounds or whatever. And I did that for a week and then I sort of doubled it and then I'm going to double it again. But I wanted to log this so I could remember how much weight I was doing. And so there are 5 billion, trillion, million, gazillion little apps on the app store that will let you actually log your workouts. And every single one of them is missing some feature that you definitely yep. need. Yep. And also has 8,000 features that get in the way that you have to slog through that you are never going to do that are like, you know, how much time did you spend upside down today? <laughs> so, in the Batman boots. So I did not try them all. However, I just sort of browsed around and randomly got one. And the one that I got called Fitness Point Pro. And it turns out that it's pretty much perfect. So if you want to log exercise that you do either in the gym or by yourself, cardio exercises, etc., Fitness Point Pro is a pretty good way to log those. That is what I'm using. That is our one minute tech review. We need a Great. song for the one minute tech review. All right, eventually. Okay. Sorry, I have a I have a second podcast cup which makes a makes a little bell. There we go. I'll use that to divide the segments. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't get more professional than this, people. Huh, okay. All right. 
preparing constitution. Let's do this one. Oh, I got to talk a lot on this podcast. Next week, I'm going to start giving these up among my minions. <laughs> I laughed and then I realized I was a minion. No, no. I'm going to come to work at 8.15 and say, you look really enthusiastic. You're here at 8.15. How would you like to do the constitution question on the podcast? As you know, we're preparing constitution <laughs> for Stack Overflow each week. We bring you a proposal. Your listeners will decide whether the proposal goes over a new constitution results from last time. Okay. <laughs> last time, the question was, at what point does... This weekend. No, on what day of this the week? This is the worst question ever. So confusing. This weekend <laughs> and next weekend mean something different. I don't know what the pro or con is with the results of last week. Question. Here's question expert Ilani Itzaki. So we got con 83%. And Ooh. if Jay, if you want to explain what the pro and the con was. You remember? <laughs> yeah. No, I think the easiest way to lay it out is the pro were a bunch of words I said without thinking about them. And then the con was a slightly different bunch of words that were mostly the same words in a different order. But we still got 83%. That I also <laughs> said without thinking about them. And then Anil tried to fix it and that didn't really work. And I tried again and it made it worse. So let's just tell him what he's won. Yeah. Timothy Beryl, he said con and he wrote a bunch of code in javascript <laughs> which he fit so, all in one tweet which is amazing right so if you'd like to see this you can go on the blog and check it out but timothy you are the winner we'll put it in the show notes thank you very much today's question okay sometimes you buy one of those little tubs of yogurt or hummus or aloe right cheese yes, that word? It's hummus. Hummus. yes it is yes yes, yes. why is why is how, with all because the pedals, other thing is like dirt you put in your garden the way you pronounce oh, it. But okay, with all the okay, pedants okay. around me, how has no one made this clear to us yet? Because they can't People pronounce People ask me to say it when I'm by the refrigerator. They're what? It's, it's called what? Hummus. What is it? Can you say it again? Hummus. <laughs> hummus. 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 Oh by hummus. I'm not trying the accent part I'm going to get wrong. I'm just saying if I were saying it in an anglicized way. Hummus. 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 Oh, hummus. hummus. It's actually hummus in hummus. Hebrew or Arabic. Hummus. And let me ask, is it a dialect thing where like, is the reason we haven't learned the right thing that in other countries that have it, that make yeah. it originally, they would say it differently? <laughs> Well, because they speak different languages. Now, can we finish my question, please? <laughs> <laughs> so you bought some hummus or some yogurt right. or alouette cheese or one of those other things that comes in a tub, like sometimes guacamole. Alouette and cheese, has, interesting. The herb kind? Yeah, or the, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It comes sure. in a little tub. It comes in a plastic tub. Yeah. It has a plastic lid, which you can remove and take off. Yeah, the first right. time you get it home, you remove the plastic a lid. A stiff plastic lid. Yes. Yep. Yep. And yep. there's another thing under there. Like a seal. The seal. A seal. Right. Which is sometimes plastic, sometimes aluminum, or aluminum, as you would say. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. So the question is... <laughs> the question is... Now, there are two schools of thought. One is that you peel off the inner seal and throw it away. And the other yeah. is that you leave it on because it provides, in some way, psychologically, a little bit of extra protection for the food. Wait, what? This is a good question. This, this is, is a good question. question this, right? The fact that, that I've never that. examined you, this David. behavior in myself, but I leave it on and you there's actually no good reason yeah. to. What? And Jay, you take it off and throw it away? Or this has never happened to you because you only make fresh food? You never buy grocery store hummus. He makes it from chickpeas, tahini. <laughs> it's the same way. It's the same way when I pull apart the two pieces of like waxy paper that surround a band aid and then put the band aid on. Right. I don't think maybe I should take at least one of those waxy pieces and stick and it back it. on top of the band aid on my hand no, and the whole stick it will on. stay there. You, you sort of what pull it halfway do? off and then you it just sort it, of falls you know, back you on. Pull it three quarters of the way off. Yeah, and then you sort yeah. of put it back and sort of tuck it in place and put the plastic and back on top of it. You've achieved yeah, yeah. two things. Yeah. Half of it is totally covered and half of it is temporarily covered in a way that adds no protection and will annoy you next time. No, actually, it's always covered. It's only not covered when you... It's just not sealed anymore. What do you think How that is? Ever it's not upstairs? an airtight seal. <laughs> First anymore. of all, I didn't even know we had a thing called humos upstairs. <laughs> this, we do. All right, we do. this humus. is a really good question. We need to we need to what? look at the side. Wait, the I would like to hear anyone offer any rationale for what is helped by leaving it on there. But, extra but most people do that. It is not extra. It's protection. true. It, you is. Are it is. See, that's why this is a great constitution question because, because that's crusty. what people think that that's providing more protection over the little plastic thing. And yet they probably even know that it doesn't, but psychologically they're like, eh, I'm just not going to throw this away. Plus it's got like a tiny bit of hummus or guacamole still stuck to it. And you're not going to eat it now, but you figure once the whole thing is empty, you might just have a little piece of pita left and zero hummus. Because <laughs> getting the hummus and the pita to end at the same time, practically impossible. Only Israelis can do it. But if you have one piece of bread left over, you might at that point need a little bit that's stuck to the inner lining of the this plastic. Is not a very good justification. The, the most important takeaway from all this is <sighs> I was a little sad that guacamole didn't have some funny different pronunciation that I never knew before. It's guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't even, when you start- Pretty much guac all the initial letters are 
Wow, David, you, Thank you. you've got a good one. Thank God David is on uh, is there like video a chat instead of actually in the okay. room. So, so <laughs> I can do hala. Pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay. Yeah. But when you start, you have two things going on. So one is a resealable thing, right. and that's its purpose. Yeah, it and creates it's an airtight creates seal, airtight vacuum, whatever. But it can so be yeah. removed and put back, which is Stop important. Stop trying to once you have the voters, the thing. Jay. Yeah. Let them vote. There's a second thing, which is a second seal, and it's it's probably a slightly better seal, but that's not its purpose. Its purpose is a seal that can, once broken, indicates it's broken. Like one of the main reasons for the inner seal. It, oh, it's just to know that the hummus wasn't tampered right, with in the grocery store. I'd argue there's like two somebody things. didn't open yes. the hummus. Yes. Put in a couple of. Yes. It's hard. It's harder. Actual right. chickpeas or something. Right. <laughs> Close it. It's like a prank. You'll be eating the hummus and you'll be like, "Oh my god, there's a whole chickpea that this didn't get like ground." The, this, it's like the recurring fear of like, "Oh no, somebody's putting razor blades in the Halloween candy." Oh right? uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll cut them all tainted, in half. Tainted Tylenol. That yes. was a real thing, the, but the razor blades thing? in the apples didn't even make sense. So, <laughs> a, how do you get a razor blade to an apple? Please move on. In a way, Jay, you Jay, don't you're notice. just going to have to let this one go and let the voters. This is democracy in action. No, we're going to move on. Trust the voters. Podcast, I'll bring you upstairs. I'll take a look at the containers of hummus. And, and then, then you, you can, can decide. And then you should right. be permitted to vote. I will go look at hummus in person. Yeah. But first, I want to go back to the well, razor. Well, maybe we could, I'll do a commercial break and you go look at the hummus. Can we talk about the razor blades for one second? Sure. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, everyone was super panicked about this. Yeah. And here's yeah. what happened every yeah. Halloween is every Halloween, I'd go trick or treating yeah. and strangers would give me candy, all of which probably had like battle axes hidden inside it or something that was Well, also designed. sugar, which is 10 times worse than Correct. just like an actual razor blade or something. Correct. <laughs> and then I'd get home and my parents were super responsible. They wanted to be yeah. good parents. Yeah. And so we'd go through this exercise where I'd have a big like pumpkin and like a sack and yeah. another, I don't know, yeah. receptacle full yeah. of candy. The leftover and we would go through Batman this costume. exercise where they really were concerned, responsible parents, and we'd spread it all out on the dining room table and they would look at it and they yeah. would like touch a few of the pieces and then determine which these ones? thousand pieces of candy are obviously safe. Yeah. And we'd replace them all in the things and yeah. then we would eat them. Oh, see, I thought this was going to be a really clever way for them to like, you know, Take away three quarters well, of the candy. What were they doing? So well, what did you were ever they get? Doing? Was it all? Was it all like little individually packed Reese's peanut butter cups when you were growing up, or did you ever get like a handful of Jordan almonds? I feel like you're trying to get peanut butter in as many times as possible. Jordan just to set me off because it'll sponsor. kill my child. They sponsored our show. I have to do it. I remember there were a lot of individual, like imagine. little twisty wrapped Tootsie Rolls, not very well sealed. Yeah, and then like a few other, like a lot of those mini Hershey bars, and then of course there were always like two Mr. two Good people bar. on the street you hated. One of whom gave you an apple, and one of whom gave you a check for one dollar. <laughs> check for and one man, dollar. that was thank the God you worst. didn't have my mother. It would have been a pencil uh, and raisins. Wow, oh, your mother is the terrible. least popular person on Halloween. Yeah. Slap in the face. You avoided that house, uh, and you went back to the house that was giving out full size candy bars. because yeah. that was gold. Full size candy bars. That's so Wait, rare. The, the Very we rare. got broken Very bits rare. of pottery like that. <laughs> Like a flower pot that had broken into charts. <laughs> and you could get one chunk of it. <laughs> okay. Oh. We couldn't afford individual uh, candy bars. Okay. <laughs> the question is, do you throw away the subliner? Pro, oh. you do throw away the subliner. Con, you keep the subliner until you've completed the entire container of hummus. <sighs> Post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag Stack Overflow Podcast with pro or con. And your explanation is short but sweet. Just make it fit in 140 characters and blonde. I've, I've, like, I've somehow cut and pasted Jay's completely messed up script from three weeks ago <laughs> into this week's script. You're welcome. It's like short but blonde. What? <laughs> it's, it makes no sense. Post your answer to Twitter using the hashtag SecondWorldPodcast with your pro or con your explanation short but fat and fit it in 140 characters. That is Twitter's requirement, not ours. Best explanation, whether on the winning side or the losing side, will be read on next week's podcast, and you will win a Stack Overflow podcast sticker. We have a couple extra podcast stickers, right? We do. I can, I can volunteer one of those. We used to have Stack Overflow stickers. You'll get one of those, too. But today, ran out. you're going to get a special Stack Overflow podcast, which is a whole new thing that nobody else has. I have them right here. They're extraordinarily very very cool rare. design. Beautiful, very rare, very... Beautiful design. I hope we didn't make too many because they're not, you know, how many people? Limited made? edition. We Super made limited. exactly 11. There are 11. <laughs> okay, so this is like, well, you're going to get one. They're individually numbered. I should go through and number them all. Submit your <laughs> ideas for future constitutional amendments. One of them might be named after you. That's it. Great. <sighs> okay. And it's time for our developer story. Oh, it we is. have a guest. We have a guest. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Sarah. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Thanks for having me. It's really fun. Yeah. <laughs> Joel only had time to read the abridged version of the biography we found for you online because you've won 72 different awards. Like, it looked like <laughs> you were yeah. EGOT somewhere in there. I feel like... For those listening, I actually paid Also them a 30 Rock episode. <laughs> but yes, that's featured on a 30 Rock episode. You have a Stanley Cup, as I understand, or the, the Stanley Cup, is mm -hmm. the sports no. people say? Yeah, I'm really good at curling. 
Ooh. <laughs> are you the slidey stick pusher or the brush the icer person? You know, I can switch off, you know, dual, dual rotate, talented rotate. in that way. Is that normal? Is that how it works? Yeah. <laughs> wow. But SVGs, I want to know about SVGs. So I thought SVG was just a Soviet version of a PNG. <laughs> it is. In Soviet New York, the code pen is loaded with you. Yeah. And also because we don't have a lot of bytes really available to us in Russia or in the Soviet Union. So we need to conserve them and make That's everything right. as compact as possible. <laughs> the NGs are rationed there, basically. Yeah. yeah. So the way they use the SVG, which is just like... Okay, wait, 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 wait. we jumped ahead. We, we didn't did, get them proper. What does Sarah do? Introduce her, Jay. Sarah is... Okay, ready? <gasps> Sarah is the co-founder of Web Animation Workshops, along with Valhead. She's also the author of SVG Animations, an O'Reilly publication, so she can speak with great authority on SVG, which I know both David and Joel are interested in. Runs an front end master's workshop. We call them books. On advanced <laughs> SVG animations, so you just take your beginner SVG questions elsewhere. They're a waste of her time. <laughs> And I think as Joel alluded to, you ran UX design and engineering at Trulia, which I believe got bought by Joel's cousin, if I understand correctly, Joel, by Zillow. That's right. No? I actually, he spoke at my work while I was working there. Spencer Askoff. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, oh, you mean me, Joel Spolsky, not Spencer. Yeah, you. Okay. <laughs> no, Spencer spoke a few times. Yeah, I imagined. I, mean, I know you thought I was done because it's so long, but Sarah, I think you alluded to the award. Sarah won CSS DevConf Best of the Best Award. So like, I, that's when like they give you like the best award and oh. everyone's like, yeah, but is it the best? And they have to clarify. It's the best of the best. <laughs> as well as Best Code Wrangler from CSS Design Awards. And you have been a web developer for over 15 years now, as well as a scientific illustrator, which if I'm not mistaken, you draw the inside of people's bodies and books, yes? Actually, sometimes, but yeah, that's medical illustration. But yeah, scientific illustration is more like drawing dead lizards and snakes for a living. Wow, you made it creepier? I was not ready for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Wow. And an undergraduate professor. Can you, can you draw peanut butter? <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it stops at insides. <laughs> I'm going to put goddamn stairs in front of your office, even though we, we work on the same floor. And where were you an undergraduate professor? I was an undergraduate professor at this school called HESA, Hellenic International Studies for the Arts, and it's accredited through MassArt in Boston. Excellent. Well, that's an awful lot of things. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. So you guys, you're super excited. You're like both dancing around like my children in the bathroom. Do you want to ask Sarah some SVG questions? I know you're very excited. Wait, wait, let's do Dev Story first. So oh, just yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a little sorry, bit of background. Sorry. How did you get started in tech and code? So, you know, I've been coding for a long while. And when I first started, it was because I was a scientific illustrator and they used to need drawings of like lizards and snakes because cameras have apertures. And so there's always going to be a part that was clear and always going to be a part that's kind of blurry. And drawings, every part is clear. You can see every like detail. So I would draw with this thing called a camera lucida where you could see your hand and the thing you're drawing at the same time. So you can get it really correct down to the millimeter. And then they came up with this camera that would take pictures at every level and then composite them together. So I was not needed for that job anymore. No, but, you were replaced by the robots. Yeah, you're like you're like the forgotten blue collar workers of America, basically. I know it's true. I'm a coal miner. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, they they wanted to keep me around, so they asked me if I could build websites. And at that time, like CSS wasn't even really taken off yet. So all it took was like learning some HTML. So it was a much simpler stack. <laughs> and I was like, sure. So I spent a lot of time like learning industry standard tables with the webmaster there and then, you know, kind of grew my development from there. So I actually like got to learn things incrementally and in each part of the stack incrementally. Other people have to learn all of it at once. So I feel bad for them. And what do you do with dead lizards today? How has it changed over time? <laughs> yeah, now I just look at them. They just sit on my desk and I stare at them. More of a hobby. Okay. So, That's, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. She, she animates them. Obviously. Would you consider yourself as much an artist as you would a developer? Yeah, I mean, I guess these days I spend all my time coding, so I don't spend that much time doing like painting kind of things, but I still manage to like bring some design elements into the code that I do. So I think about both. Yeah. Yeah, it's very artistic coding. I mean, just looking at your, at your, uh, your website, your homepage and, and the code pen, especially some of the things that you've made. I mean, they're, you know impressively designed, not just impressively coded. No, oh, thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think SVG is awesome for this kind of stuff because you're basically drawing with math. So I really get into technical stuff and I really get into artistic stuff. So it's kind of a really nice cross section of the two. 
Okay, so let's get into SVGs. So tell us just for the, not your totally uneducated listener, but your average developer, what's so great about SVGs and why should they use them? Okay, so SVGs are crisp on every display, which means that you don't have to do any image replacement for retina screens and responsive. You don't have to cut a million images for picture or source set or any of those kind of things. So you're delivering one graphic, which is super awesome. They're also super flexible. It's in the name, scalable vector graphics, scalable. So they kind of like- It has to be true if it's in the name. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it has to be true then. Just like the hospital logos. So, <laughs> so that's really awesome. They have a navigable DOM, so you can dive right in there. And because they're built with math, you can you know, bind them to data and make data visualizations with them. You can make them bounce and flex and do all sorts of things that, you know, bitmaps are really great, but they don't have that kind of like you can reach inside them and move them around kind of a capabilities. They're also accessible. You can put title and ARIA labeled by tags. So that's really good for screen readers. So the list goes on kind of, there's just a lot of stuff that you can do. And we're kind of only hitting, like tipping the iceberg. They're also really good for performance. So if you design them appropriately that you can load a graphic that's like three kilobytes instead of 300 kilobytes, that's something I really like too. Well, that was Huge. a stunningly detailed pitch Huge. for, for SVGs. <laughs> I'm glad we managed to get those out of the Soviet <laughs> Union before it collapsed. <laughs> glad we exported that technology. <laughs> so it seems like SVGs are becoming more and more common. What's driving that growth? Why do you think sort of more and more websites are moving in that direction and moving away from sort of bitmap, PNGs, or GIFs, and, and so on? Yeah, I think one of the things is that it's better supported now than it used to be. It's supported across the board. If you go to Can I Use, it's all green now. So there's no things getting in the way there. Even Safari? Even Safari, even Safari mobile. (laughs) So really good stuff, you guys. (laughs) In the old days, we used to make fun of Internet Explorer, but now- Yeah, even IE4, does IE4 support SVGs? IE4, yeah, I test on that all the time. (laughs) It was Um, probably an ActiveX plugin that did it. (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) ActiveX, oh. Having nightmares. (laughs) Having nightmares, Joel. Yeah, I had to hack IE6 for like a year and a half. That was like half my life. That was a terrible year yeah, of my life. Everybody. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so because you only have to deliver one graphic, you have a lot less work to do. So I think, you know, any developer is excited about having less work to do, right? So that's another issue. And then another one is performance because you're like literally, you know, using something that's so much smaller. It's just much faster. So speaking as a lay person or idiot, as the case may be, what are the limitations? Why wouldn't you use... My sense is it's not good for things without super like crisp, definable boundaries. Like you, you wouldn't use it for a photograph, right? Presumably. Right. Yeah, totally. So like if on your about page, you wouldn't like swap out a picture of your CEO with a, you know, cute little cat graphic. Well, maybe you we would. We might. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, never say that. Replace him with a robot is really the question. <laughs> You could put a picture of a goat. Would that be better? <laughs> a, whims- a whimsical a whimsical vector goat. Absolutely. A whimsical. I want an Ibex. Some hummus. <laughs> I want an Ibex eating yeah. hummus. Oh, Is an Ibex a That's goat? A- yeah. Like a goat. And so the difference is that SVGs are vector-based, not bitmap, right? And so you can't you can't just take yeah. a picture and replace it. But a lot of the web and a lot of the graphics on the web are like all the designers are designing vector-based and then they were converting them to bitmaps to go to the web and somebody said, hey, that's dumb. What if we just put vectors straight on the web? That's how I imagine the conversation going. Yeah. Probably, yeah, that's probably a lot more thing. committee meetings than that. But. There's also the displays with different resolutions and stuff. Like yeah, when Retina started coming out. That's a major thing. I think flat design kind of went in that direction too. And, you know, pretty much all of the like extraneous graphics that are not goats with hummus. <laughs> Sarah, you don't have to buy into our stupid jokes. Yet. <laughs> but we appreciate you trying. Although it's we appreciate really, it. Yeah. And how about peanut butter? Oh, you. <laughs> <laughs> Next week's oh, going to be man. all about salt. We'll see how you like it. So tell us a little bit about SVG animation, because this is something a little bit less common. You see a lot of SVG being used for static images, but I was sort of vaguely aware that SVG could do animation, but seeing some of the stuff that you did, it's kind of amazing. So tell us sort of where do you see that going on the web? Should more people be looking at doing SVG animations? Yeah, totally. I think actually like SVG animations are really, really good to convey meaning because if you have something like a data visualization where you're showing how things grow over time, it's like much more meaningful if you actually show it appearing on the screen as, you know, things kind of did appear. Like if you're showing like all of the Walmarts across America and when they showed up, which is actually a D3 block, you can actually have it come on using time. So time can actually be pretty meaningful to convey stuff, especially if you're trying to ramp people up on your product. People are really drawn to things that are moving, that we're just biologically 
trained for that because hmm. if there's something in the bush that's going to murder us or we need to eat something, <laughs> we kind of fear. Fear is what I want to inspire in people when they're on my <laughs> yeah. website. That there's sense that just in the corner in the of their eyes, a lion. <laughs> <laughs> my next SVG animation is definitely going to be peanut butter. So. <laughs> So yeah, I think animation is really powerful in that way. It can definitely be overused. And I talk about that a lot and how to use it like mm. when it's necessary and not like, you know, turn your whole thing into a flipping bobbing thing. <laughs> but because SVG has a navigable DOM, you can just slap IDs and classes and all of those things that you're kind of used to as a web developer and move them around. And if you build the graphics in something like, you know, Vue or React or another JavaScript framework, then you can move them around and address like issues of state, like you can transition state appropriately with them. So there's all sorts of like really, really kind of cool things that you can do. So you can make it beautiful and meaningful and performant, all of the cool things on the web. So you've done a bunch of these these really cool animations you can see at, we'll link it, but your codepen, codepen.io slash S-D-R-A-S. What's your favorite one of these that you've made, if you can pick a favorite? Yeah, I think it changes every couple months. I just put out a React page transition one the other day. So right now I'm kind of attached to that one. That one's like probably the triangles right now. The, the, yeah, that one's like oh, the triangle it's one. It's cool Hi. how it flips into the map. I, I played with that one. Oh, thanks. It, like, yeah. There's like a thing where like the graphic flattens and becomes like a map. It's really cool. I actually just shared the introvert one with a friend of mine, very much an introvert. I thought he would appreciate it because he also has a motorcycle. So Sarah Sweden actually showed that one on stage on one of her talks and was like, who in the audience is an introvert? And nobody raised their hand. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes sense if you think. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like that. How many of you can't raise your hand? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that one's good. I have one that's called Everyone Except Tim, which is like a really old one. And it's not that well made, but it's funny. So I like that one. Don't look at it if you're offended by people flipping the bird. <laughs> okay. Nice. I'll have to take a look at now that. Now I'm interested. So how do you make these? Like, are you using a tool to make these? Or are you hand coding them or a bit of both? Like, I'm hand coding them. So the images are usually graphics. Sometimes I make the graphics, but usually I'll find them online. Either they're free or like I purchase graphics sometimes if they're characters or something and play around with them and kind of rebuild them and stuff. Like there's a Huggy Laser Panda Factory in there. Yeah. That one's just like built from, I drew the pandas and then I got a bunch of different like factory graphics and put them all together. Did you draw the inside of the panda? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't draw the inside of the panda. I did draw the panda lasers yeah. though. That's so. sick. You only draw the inside of lizards. What's wrong with you, Alana? God. <laughs> yeah, you got to like, you know, make sure that you're only drawing the insides of certain animals. <laughs> so all of the animation is just code. And I actually kind of believe that it should be because people tend to like say you need to learn a bunch of other software, which I think is hard to learn like After Effects, and then you have to turn it into stuff for the web, which I don't know, that seems like a weird workflow, especially if you can just code it online and then just have it be done. So yeah, I experiment a lot with a lot of different web technologies, and I like a lot of them. So when you're on CodePen, you see three different languages up here. You're writing each one of these in the different languages. So for our yes. listeners not familiar with CodePen, you're looking at HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, I think, for all their stuff right now. And so you're writing it for all three? Yes. Wow. And if you are checking out the response of Huggy Laser Panda Factory, do not just enjoy the whimsical animation move on. Be sure to pull the levers because it is truly adorable. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, it tells you to do that right at the top. Otherwise, there's no pandas. If you don't pull the levers, there's no pandas. Yeah, and make sure you size the screen down to mobile sizes because that's really the fun part. Because it, it's kind of organized Whoa. like Lego blocks, so they reconfigure. Whoa, based the whole on machine the... changes. Yeah, and did yeah. you? Is this your thing? Because it actually neat. it was super cool. It actually told me to size my screen down. Yeah, yeah, I wrote that. Like, there's like a dynamic thing that says, "Nope, your screen needs to be narrower." And yeah. I did that, and then it's really nice. Solve my problems yeah. up front. <laughs> This stuff is really cool. And for the listener, if you're not looking at it right now, one of the coolest things is that, I mean, it's on code pens. You know, it's not like you're obfuscating the JavaScript or something. You can see exactly what it does and you can fork it and try changing things and, you know, really see how it's all put together. So th- this is really cool. Yeah, I try to write a lot of open source software so that people who are learning can play around with it or fork it or, you know, borrow pieces for their own stuff. So speaking of open source software, we share an interest in sort of how community dynamics work. And I know you've been 
working in open source and thinking a lot about some of the behaviors in sort of open source communities. And I'm excited to hear what you've been thinking about there. Yeah, actually, like I guess the thought that's been going through my head a lot lately was about popularity. I think that there's like an idea in open source that the more popular technology will be the better technology. And sometimes I think that that's not true. Sometimes I think that there are technologies that are backed by big companies that people tend to gravitate towards because they kind of surround themselves with it. Like, oh, well, if it's good enough for X company, it's good enough for me. And then I see all these other technologies that I kind of play around with and they're built by a few smaller people. But I think people get shy about using tools like that because they're worried that they'll continue. But it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy because then, you know, if, if the community doesn't surround it, even if it's a better technology, it will fail. So I guess the thing that I love about open source is that it's like this open community. And the thing that I'm critical of is whether or not something needs a corporate sponsorship to actually be taken seriously. Well, even without a corporate sponsorship, I remember in the nineties, everybody was trying to decide between MySQL and Postgres. And Postgres was just technically a better and more reliable database that just had more functionality and ACID and all these kinds of things. But MySQL, for some reason, was just way more popular. And a lot of people just chose MySQL knowing that it was worse now, but expecting that it would get better faster due to that popularity and thinking there would be sort of a critical mass around that. And there was a really long period of time where MySQL actually was better than Postgres just because it had, you know, so much development on it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like a really strange thing, right? If Mm -hmm. like you come in from the beginning and you're watching that, I mean, I guess like part of the reason I'm thinking about this a lot is because I'm into Vue, the framework, and it's done by a core team of developers, some of which are funded by things like Patreon. But, you know, unlike some of the other big JavaScript frameworks, it's not backed by a huge company. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such an eloquent framework. Like, I've worked with a bunch of them, and I just think it's such a good technology. But I do worry that people won't use it. And I've heard people say, like, oh, well, it's not backed by Google or something. Like, why should I play with it? So I guess yeah. that's part of I think of the a lot of examples, actually, like, I think Rails was that way. It was, like, not really such a great environment. But the cool kids were all using it. And so that actually led to everybody not only using Rails, but contributing to it. And as open source, popularity can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like a critical mass thing too. I mean, from my perspective, like the fear is, especially if you're like building a business on it, mm. you, you build you, might you build it on a project ASP. that gets yeah. abandoned. You know, yeah. I and mean, we've had a few of those where there were open source projects that were like core parts of Stack Overflow, and then the maintainer just decided, uh, "I'm done with this," which <laughs> is fine. That's their decision, but it leaves you in an uncomfortable position of like, "Well, do we port it, or do we take over the project?" Or, but on the other hand, that can happen with corporate sponsors too like it, that, that's also happened with companies that were backing a project and yeah we built fog bugs on bb script in classic asp <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, which was clearly the superior technology choice yeah i mean but... i think that that's like a really good point or you're like beholden to whatever features they're trying to build right like if a big company pivots their technology to like have a new breaking version that you're not really into and you're not going in that direction, then you're kind of going in that direction, whether you like it or not. Absolutely. VB to VB.net was like that. Angular has gone through some Angular is going through that. Python 2 to Python 3 a little bit, except that it's more of a fork than everybody's moving. I mean, it's tough from their perspective too, because sometimes like it is the right decision with a project to take breaking changes and to kind of to really fix the core. Otherwise you're stuck like, and you can't, yeah, can improve it and people will eventually abandon it because something better came out and you're yeah. stuck with a bad Pearl, Pearl is a good example of that. The buy-in of a major player is always a plus and there's certain places it's sort of make or break, right? Like obviously with like more closed ecosystem, like Swift, right, has to succeed. Like Apple's going to ensure it is. But I think when you're talking about sort of things that are less so, it feels like the one that is not good still can't win. Like the backing helps. Mm-hmm. but it's just not going to matter. It's like in consumer products, right? You're like, well, how could these things fail? Google's behind them. Like Waze and Google Plus are definitely going to be dominant eventually. Like they got <laughs> Google's backing. <laughs> I don't think Google Plus is ever going to be like, it's just like the party that the rich kid threw and you're like, no. Yeah, yeah. That's, a good, <laughs> yeah. that's a good, yeah. That's an apt <laughs> metaphor for one of my parties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess like I I just as a developer, I guess I'm like rooting for the underdog here because I think it's awesome. I'm just like, this is 
just a really cool thing. And then I hear everybody go like, oh, but who's going to develop it? And I'm like, well, this guy, <laughs> you know, but I think that there are some corporate sponsors coming there. But, you know, I don't know. It's just something that's been in the back of my mind. So Vue is your, you said, sort of your, your passion of the moment. Give us your pitch for it. You know, why should more people use it? What's so great about it? Well, I think Vue came along after a lot of the other frameworks. And what it did was after dealing with some of the pains of some of the other frameworks, basically took all of the cool things that they liked about all of the different things and put it together in a way that doesn't feel like a mishmash. It feels really eloquent. So when you're working with it, I think there's also like a, you know, a thing in software development sometimes where people kind of over-engineer without realizing it because they think that complexity means like it's cool or it's better. Vue made it, you know, a real big stab at making things as simple as possible. And in that way, I think it's really, really great because it's easy to read. It's easy to maintain. I think, you know, as a consultant, I jump into tech stacks that I'm not familiar with all the time. Being able to just jump into a tech stack and be like, oh, I know exactly where everything is and how it's organized and can immediately get working is a pretty big boon to development and, you know, time saving. So yeah, I think that some of those reasons, they've also thought about like the rendering is like really, really slick. It's not clumsy at all, like some other things that I've worked with. So yeah, I mean, I still like all of the other frameworks. I'm still like a big fan all of, of them. There's gotta, be, there's gotta be one that you just can't stand. <laughs> Yeah, cycle is out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm a naturally curious person. There's good stuff about a lot of the other things that are out there. But yeah, for right now, I'm just really enjoying working with it. Okay, great. So we're going to put you down just to, you know, drum up some controversy here. We're going to put okay. you down for view is great. React sucks. <laughs> We're going to put that in the headlines. That, yeah, that's okay no one everybody. should be mad about that, I'm sure. Great, great. No, <laughs> sure no, we want them to be mad because then they'll come listen to the podcast. <laughs> so just back to SVGs or Vue, I guess. So if somebody's interested in these technologies, what's a good way to get started? If you're interested in SVG, I think the first step is realizing that if you know HTML, CSS, and JavaScript, as you do as a web developer or even any of the frameworks, it's not that many steps away. You already know most of the stuff there. So I think that was like a huge breaking point for me that unlike some of the other things like WebGL, where you're kind of learning a new syntax, mm -hmm. SVG is very familiar. And, you know, not to plug my book too much, but I'm going to do shameless self-promotion. I did write a book with O'Reilly and spent two years writing it to make it pretty accessible and easy for people to get started with that kind of stuff too. And use a myriad of technologies like CSS, JavaScript, request animation frame, GreenSock, React Motion, and Mo.js. So kind of trying to get the bases covered there. So that's a good way to start with SVG. In terms of Vue, their docs are amazing. I wrote some material too, but like you probably don't need it because their docs and guides are really well written. So the book's name for our listeners is SVG Animations. I got to think Sarah will get a slightly larger tiny cut if you go to shoporeilly.com than if you bought it from Amazon <laughs> or some third-party reseller. Buy it from our website. Oh, can you buy it directly from the website? That's not the way royalty agreements work. No? Really? I wish it was. That's messed up. Oh, yeah, you'd know being a... But buy the ebook, right? You get more money for an ebook than a printed book. I get the same amount, actually. Oh, really? Hey, oh, this God. is the... Friggin' O'Reilly. Printed books, man. Sarah said she spent two hey, years Chris, writing a book, and then someone's got to go cut down a tree that took like 40 years to grow. And this is Listen, crazy. Here's the solution. It's crazy. If you appreciate Sarah and want to, you know, help her, just buy two copies and give one to a friend. Yeah. Or buy 10 copies. Yeah, and use them to stack up your monitor. Then she clearly gets more money. Yeah, you can use them to put all of your lizard skeletons on top of, you know. Uh, that's, I was thinking about that. Yeah, that's what I was hoping to use them for. So people were taking cheap shots at O'Reilly last week. When you were writing a book there at the O'Reilly compound, were there like a lot of kids making sneakers, like sewing them or anything else you want to like just? <laughs> Actually, O'Reilly's been pretty good to me. I don't have any negative things to say about them, but I can make stuff up if you want. He's just so likable. I like that we've started painting him as some sort of dark despot as opposed to <laughs> what he appears to be in most interactions. Actually, I was invited to the food camp. They invite like friends, family kind of people, you know, once a year to their campgrounds and they had a bouncy castle, which I destroyed. <laughs> if you what? want to hear that Good for story. you. Good for you. <laughs> now we have to hear the story. Actually, I got pulled out from a data scientist. <laughs> I was bouncing in the bouncy castle. I'm really small. And this guy jumped really high and like shot me into a pillar and the <laughs> pillar was like the support for the whole thing and the whole thing collapsed and he had to like yank me out of the collapsed bouncy castle. 
I was bouncing in a bouncy castle, and a data scientist a had to pull me out when it collapsed. It sounds like something Watson would say as it starts to reveal it's going insane. Like that's when you realize Watson is breaking down, and he's Watson? probably going to kill us Watson all. Watson is Watson. Yeah. Huh. Okay, well, that, I don't know, it's, it's hard to top that one. I feel like I'm going to have new nightmares about collapsing bouncy castles and dead lizards that were, like, not problems in my life before today. You're but welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you, Sarah, for coming on. Oh, where can people find you? I'm speaking at React Europe in two weeks, showing some product that named Workflow that I've been working pretty hard on with, you know, a team. I'm a con consultant for them. It's pretty awesome. So, yeah, check that out if you like React. Cool. No, we hate React. View is the future. View, view is where it's all at. <laughs> and people can follow you on Twitter at Sarah underscore EDO. Great. That's follow. O as in O. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Sarah, for coming on. Please feel free to hang out with us as we go through the news. About 1 million Google Docs users were the targets of a phishing scam made to look like a Google Doc request this week. Ooh. Google said it stopped the attack within an hour and that they are working on a solution to prevent this from happening in the future. I was super disappointed that I didn't get it because everybody was talking it about it yeah. and, you know, warning each other about it. I suspect that there were probably about 10 warning emails for every one of these things that actually went out. Hey, Jay, how do you feel about it? So first of all, I preferred the headline I read that said extraordinarily sophisticated phishing attack. Did you fall for it? Did you fall for it? See, my sense is this was sent <laughs> to this was sent to everyone's friends, then all of their friends' friends. And so you guys with no friends did not get the phishing attack, the sophisticated, very oh, sophisticated. It's a friend network kind of <sighs> friendship. So yeah, so I got it. So I got it. But did you click on it? So it's not really is that the important question? Is that because I feel <laughs> okay. like well, okay. look, a million people so did. listen, in my not that bad. Oh, in my defense, man. in my defense, there's a couple of moments that I'm embarrassed about. But in my defense, mine came from a friend of mine who I expected yeah. a document from. Like it was ah. an unusually like like aligned. Like well it wasn't like this yeah. out of the blue. Yeah, that's interesting. And so I got it from someone who I was expecting a document about. We're traveling later in the year, and he was we were talking about it. He was going to send a thing. And so I got this thing from him. This is your fault for not using Trello. And so it's not a it's a spreadsheet thing. And so I get it, and I like oh that's weird. Here's a thing from Andy. And so I click the button and. What uh, happens then? There's Andy fell for it. There was really a slightly weird screen. I think so. The first thing you see is you see the like, oh, it's a Google Docs needs to know which account you want to use. Seems yeah. kind of normal. It's a Google Doc. That I'm, happens often if you especially yeah, and it shows me both of my accounts. Sure. Or you just think, oh, it's logged me out. I'm having to log on again. Right. So I click one of my accounts, my home one. I pick the personal one, and so I click that, and then it like it loaded a little long. Like it was a little bit delayed. Something's a little bit off, and I actually paused, and I'm like, a little weird, and I was a little nervous for a second. Yeah. And so I looked up in the URL, Yeah. but like a simpleton, like I don't really yeah. check it properly. I look up and I see like, there is a like www, blah, 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 google.com thing, which is probably all before like four pluses or whatever makes none of that oh, nonsense. No, sense. that's not actually how it worked, but oh. we'll go finish your story. But, but I did glance. I had a moment yes. of sanity where I glanced at the URL to be like, does it look right? And it had google.com in it. And I felt pretty good. And then I kept going. I can't remember. I think I may have gotten a screen saying like, oh, is it okay to have for Google Docs to have permissions? Which probably should have freaked me out. That was the, that yeah, was yeah. where it happened. And Go I ahead. think I hit okay. But interestingly, I believe this happened, David, you'll tell me this is wrong. Exactly at the moment, our IT staff had gotten in front of this and like blocked everything. Because when I clicked the dumbest thing I could possibly click, the next screen I saw was a Cloudflare screen that said like, Oh, Cloudflare. Everything's busted, but you're in our always on screen because somebody has always Cloudflare always on. Oh. And it never went through. Are you sure? Did you check your apps? Well, yeah, because as soon as it was funny, I want I want to shout out to our awesome IT staff who are so great in so many ways. But um, we got this email. If you're one of the idiots who did the, click this thing, make sure you notify us. And so I sent IT staff like a note saying, I did this. Here's the steps. This is exactly what I did. Here's what happened. And I'm not kidding, like, it was less than one minute. Like, 30 seconds later, Michael Rosa, one of our talented IT staff, is in my office, like, may I look at your computer security settings with you? <laughs> I was like, of course you may. And then he hosed down your entire computer. Well, we know. We, so we checked away. the apps that I had permissioned with Google, and everything looked okay there. And then he picked up my computer, doused it in lighter fluid, and lit it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> good plan. Good plan. Okay. Yeah. So the actual hack was, and I'm firmly in the camp that this is Google's 
fault. The name they of the allowed doc. this to happen because yeah. what it was is somebody created an app called Google Docs. Yes. And it may have been like obfuscated with Unicode or something. I haven't seen a definitive thing on that. But basically what it appears is Google Docs is asking for permission to access your Google account, to which anybody is going to say, yeah, of course, Google Docs can have access to my Google yeah, account. Right. But that's the thing. It was somebody who was not Google who made an app called Google Docs. So you were giving some random app access to what your kind of Google account. They registered an app with Google. With Google. Like a Google Play app? Like a Google I don't understand. Login. No, no, no. Like it's a Google login, which giving them API access, basically. You use your authentication token to log in and access all your stuff. This is like if you do login with Google anywhere. It's like it's OAuth. I don't know if this is exact, but it's like OAuth. So then what they do is it was grabbing like the first hundred contacts and then it emails all of them because one of the things you just gave it access to was your contacts and the permission to send emails. And so it's got that now. So it, that's how it propagates itself. Right. And then it doesn't seem to do anything malicious beyond that, but it's really hard to know because you just gave somebody access to your Google account and yeah, who knows? it's hard it's to know what they went things. and did. They might have Missiles. scraped a whole bunch of stuff in yeah. addition. Yeah. They got a ton of real email addresses. I don't know how much that's worth. Uh, yep. The thing nothing. that the true genius of it counted. is they got counted Google nothing. itself. They basically got you on a Google auth screen. You haven't been sent yeah. to some rando screen. It's a real auth screen. So that's the thing. It's not fake. You're on a Google-owned screen, and Google itself is asking you if you're comfortable if with you Google Docs. Permission to Google to Google. Yeah. control. Google. And that, the brilliance is like they got Google to ask you that question is what I made know. it kind of so It cool. was mm -hmm. a real URL. So even your defense mechanism of like check the URL didn't work in this one because it was actually a, real a legit Google. Google page yeah. saying, oh, hey, this app wants permission. And you said yes, because it just says it's Google Docs. So the yep. mistake is that they ever allowed something to call itself Google Docs. And so I'm really hoping that wasn't as simple as somebody just typing in Google Docs as the name of their app. They had to like use some weird Unicode hacks to get it to go through. But now the advantage of it working that way was that Google was able to kill it on their end immediately. And so that might have been the thing you saw, though. I don't know why it would be a Cloudflare notice. But because they were running through Google, Google could just kill it. Anyway, my world has not blown up, and so far nothing bad has happened to me. Okay. Google Docs phishing scam. Any other news? Yes, we do. Facebook is disputing an interpretation of an internal study reported by the Wall Street Journal that claims female engineers' code was rejected 35% more than their male counterparts due to gender bias. Facebook claims the gap in rejection rates was due to rank instead of gender. Ah, uh -huh. so they don't promote women at Facebook? Is that what they're saying? Basically. Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those things are, what's the word, correlated, conflated? Yeah, causation versus... So this was like an independent, I think. This wasn't like their study. The first one's an independent study done by a Facebook engineer, did this analysis. She found something like a disturbing pattern. And then Facebook did their own, saying, well, that didn't have some of the data. There's actually this other... She only used tenure, and the tenure isn't actually characterizing seniority correctly. Let us do a full analysis for you. And they came back with their full analysis, and they were like, actually, if you incorporate rank, there's still a discrepancy, but it's so small, it's statistically insignificant. It's fine. Once you're way in the rank. And someone said, great, can we look at your rank data? And they said, no, our ranks are secret. That was the first answer. <laughs> so the first thing they used is a, is a part of the data set they would not show anyone else. I'm not saying they lied, but there's an interesting thing right there. And Coincidentally. to the point you guys made, what they never seemed to connect was... You know how they calculate rank, actually? No. It's the number of engineers' code that you submit that get accepted. <laughs> the percentage <laughs> acceptance. So if you get that's, more than 90% acceptance... That's what determines your promotion, actually. You get promoted. Then, you get, then if, you're ranked. But yes. their conclusion is almost that dumb and circular, is it not? Like, Which is like, yes. if we accept a world where we should be concerned there is probably this bias because we all know about implicit bias and all this stuff, they're like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Once you incorporate how we decide how qualified you are super qualitatively in a secret way, yeah. there's no difference in how men or women are being treated once we've mistreated you in that system already. Okay. So what does it mean for code to be rejected? Is it like you don't get paid that day? Or, pull I requests. Mean, what is going on? They have a big red reject. It's merger pull requests or something yeah, that are that getting somebody rejected. somebody else rejects and then you gotta go fix it yeah or a code review where they said yeah defined yeah. or like you know i guess that makes it back to go fix it somebody did a similar thing on github right with public open source projects and found that which is maybe what prompted this person to go run it on facebook's code base and they found something alarming that obviously facebook didn't want reported in the press mm. Presumably, Facebook didn't do much to address this person's concerns, and so they decided to take it public to force Facebook Ooh. to actually do something. In which case, Facebook took the exact wrong approach, and instead of saying, <laughs> hmm, this is down. troubling, and we're going to look into it and yeah. you know try to address it, they said, ah, I can't trust the data. Here, look at our data. This is better. Yeah, and it's weird. Cause some of the comments that guy made who guess gave the report, they sounded like he was thinking about it, and he was concerned about bias in some way. I don't know. He had the right phrases to say, you know, except... It's weird he didn't at least say, we find it troubling, 
that what's obviously being revealed to her is there are fewer women in senior roles, right? Which is not uncommon, sadly. But like, there's no commentary uh, on that. Like, it's well, a, they already know that. I know, but even if he's not willing to jump out and say perhaps this situation is the result yeah. of bias, what is an easy thing to say that shows you actually care and you're like thinking about it is even if that it's ranking feels correct, we're uncomfortable having a culture where it feels like there are not enough women advancing right. in ways we could be supporting them to help. The, like, yeah. I don't know. There's such a missed opportunity here to at least start the right conversations. <sighs> okay, right. well, they started it. And you have gone and wasted another hour of your life listening to Stack Overflow podcast number 108. Recorded Thursday, May 4th, 2017, Stack Overflow headquarters. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell a friend, spread the word. We need more subscribers or we shall never be as popular as S-Town. <laughs> By the way, if you have any questions for me, we're going to do a segment called Ask Joel. So... Just tweet to at Stack Podcast any questions that you have for me, and I'll pick the best ones and answer them. This podcast is brought to you by Peanut Butter, the best kind of M&Ms, a critical part of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and have another Nutter Butter Peanut Butter Cookie. Our audio engineer is Carlos Hernandez, audio editors David Greenlee, technology concierge Michael Rosa, producers Jess Pardew, executive producers Caitlin Pike, Four, Sarah Dresner, David Fulton, Jay Hanlon, Annie Lani, Hockey, and Joel Spolsky. Have a not entirely terrible day. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Such a good time, bouncy, bouncy. Shoes all in the line, bouncy, bouncy. Everybody somersault, somersault, summertime. Everybody sing along, bouncy, bouncy. Oh, such a good time, bouncy, bouncy. White socks slipping down, bouncy, bouncy. The let goes out of no, no, bouncy, bouncy. Ooh, bouncy, bouncy. Ooh, every time I bounce, I feel I touch the sky. daughter is allergic to peanuts which are not nuts oh oh they're not oh. nuts they're not even related to nuts it's that like reminds a dirty, me they i figured out what to use yes. all the trello money for i'm <laughs> going to start <laughs> i gotta be honest this is kind of a moment i've been curious for so that's I, right I, i'm excited i was waiting for you this. know how Let's people are always telling you peanuts are not nuts cashews, cashews are, are not nuts also. okay so i'm going to start the society for the reform of nut designation so my society is going to recategorize this is going to be the only thing we're lobbying for we're just going to lobby in Washington to have peanuts and cashews reorganized so that those are actually nuts. Thank you. Hey, I got to call out your fake news here, Alana, because <laughs> the cashew is not a legume. What? It is a nut that is botanically related to mangoes, pistachios, and wait for it, poison ivy. <laughs> You're kidding. I've been lied to. <laughs> My whole life is in shambles. Do dates literally grow on trees? Dates grow on trees, yes. Yeah, so just like potatoes. <laughs> Dates grow on Tinder and Grinder and those kind of apps. <laughs> those aren't dates. <laughs> there's, a, there's a constitution question. Does it count as a date if you never learn the person's first Wait, name? Yeah, if, if, you're only, if before meeting your only interaction was a swiping motion, can you consider it a date? Guacamole! <laughs> <laughs>